Hello, and welcome to the Voices of the Companions. This podcast is a project of the Companions of Mary the Apostle, also known as CMA. The purpose is to highlight the lived experience of those connected to the CMA community. The Companions of Mary the Apostle are an emerging community rooted in the Episcopal Church, spilling beyond its borders. They are an ecumenical community open to people of all genders. My name is Paul Kimmerling. I am your host and the board president for CMA. My guest today is Lauren Hare, and here's a little bit more about her. Lauren Hare is a communication strategist who currently works for a global consulting firm. Previously, she led corporate social responsibility and social impact communications campaigns and served for 10 years as an AmeriCorps volunteer and nonprofit fundraiser. Lauren currently lives in Astoria, Queens with her wife, Farah, and cat, Cheddar, where she is active in her recovery community and can often be found running, attending hot yoga, or reading a good book. Lauren, it's delightful to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Paul. I can think of no better way to end my week than by talking with you. Thank you for having me. Oh my gosh, you're totally welcome. So we usually begin this podcast by exploring how you came to know about CMA. So could you share more about that with us, please? Yes. So I first learned about CMA at the end of 2014. Um, and I, I want to give a bit of context first. I was not raised in the Episcopal Church. Um, I grew up in a very warm, welcoming Presbyterian church in Wisconsin. Lots of potlucks, very homey and friendly. Um, and as an adult at college and then afterwards, uh, really drifted away from a church home, uh, but kind of dabbled in uh, occasionally attending Episcopal churches in New York City. Um, I was on a retreat at Holy Cross Monastery and saw a brochure. And the line that jumped out to me on the brochure was, I think it was something like, a community that welcomes people of all genders. Mm -hmm. And my antenna kind of went up in a very happy, excited way because I have long looked for a place um, that really combined, I would say, theological reflection, real spiritual community, but that was so progressive and welcoming. Um, Mm. And there was something about seeing that line that got me really excited. And I then was eating dinner in the dining hall at Holy Cross and lo and behold, ended up sitting next to Shane and was delighted to hear that she was one of the people behind this brochure. Um, And I I took the brochure with me and I was so intrigued by the companions and what it meant. Um, But it took me a few years to sort of circle back to Shane and Elizabeth and say, I think this is something I want to commit to in a deeper way. Um, Tell us a little bit more about how long you've been involved and so far, what is your experience um, now that you're involved with CMA? Yeah. So gosh, that was 2014. Um, I, I don't think I really got engaged with the companions until 2017, a couple Mm -hmm. years after that. Um, And that was as a covenant group member. Um, And and, could you say what that means? Oh, gosh, let me see. Um, So as as I understand it, there are different uh, layers to the community. Or I think 
what is it, um, different threads woven into the tapestry is how we sometimes describe it. Right. And I wanted to learn more about the companions. Um, I'll also say I was long, I've always been interested in monastic life, um, mm -hmm. not necessarily being called to it myself, but just curious about it. And, but I had never really found a community that was one I would want to engage with in this way until I found CMA. Wow. And um, so in 2017, I'm not sure exactly when, I was in loose touch um, with Shane and Elizabeth, had participated in a few retreats that they had led, was following them on Facebook, and uh, was really at a place in my life where I was hungry for a different kind of um, spiritual community. And so I reached out and said, I I'd love to join as a covenant group member. So my experience in that role was kind of um, dipping my toe in to what um, aligning myself with the CMA might be like. Um, as a covenant group member, I had a prayer partner, um, joined Zoom calls once a month, um, and really spent quite a bit of time reading um, the covenant and the charism, which are kind of mission statements, as I think about them, that give the group structure. Um, and it, I was a covenant group member for about a year before deciding um, I felt really called to be a candidate to be a companion. So I'm now in the candidate process. Um, That's exciting. It's, it is wonderful and very exciting. And I think I'm giving a very long answer to your question, so I'm going to stop. I love long answers. <laughs> oh, <good. laughs> that's, that's awesome. So, you know, I hear that, you know, your involvement has really led in a, in a very lovely and organic and progressive mm -hmm. way to a deepening of your um, commitment with this group. Yes. So how has your experience so far with CMA informed your ideas about spiritual community, however you would define that for yourself? That's a great question. Um, so like I said, I grew up in this big, homey church, right? Um, my experience is when I went away to college, I was 18, 19, and realized I was gay, um, which was its own process and experience. Mm -hmm. But a part of that was realizing my, the church I'd grown up in was no longer um, welcoming to me. And that was really hard and painful. Yeah. So I, um, I was very, very fortunate. I went to a really wonderful women's college. There were pockets of spiritual communities on campus. Um, I was in the radical Catholic feminists, even though I'm not a Catholic. Um, there was the ecumenical Christian community. We sang Taize together every week. And it was a really tight-knit uh, spiritual community where we met in person and we worshiped together, but not in a traditional Sunday morning sitting in pews sense. Mm -hmm. And then I left college and spent many years, frankly, kind of wandering in the wilderness, um, right. unable to find a spiritual community that felt like that. I would find churches where I had that Sunday morning feeling, but I missed the hominess of a really tight-knit community where you know other people. Right. And 
I always thought the only way to have a spiritual community where you can build deep relationships and really talk and get to know one another and worship together is, of course, it has to be in person. I don't think I thought it like that, but that was just the only way I understood it. And what I am so grateful to CMA for, among many things, is for teaching me how community exists when there are people who connect to each other. And in our community, we have folks in um, Nebraska, in New Jersey, New York, um, all around. And we come together once a week on Zoom. And it's like we're all sitting in a circle in someone's living room talking. It feels just that close and intimate. Tremendous. And so what it has taught me about spiritual community is that um, it's not really bound by geography. And that is so freeing and exciting because Mm. it means um, it's just a whole different level of being open and welcoming to people. If all you need is an internet connection, like, come on in. We want you here. Right. Right. Tremendous. So really, it's it's sort of blown open the traditional boundaries of what community has to look like. It really has. And it and it continues to strike me that people who I've met in person, maybe once, we have real deep um, relationships and friendships and can share, share things with each other and pray with each other in a way that um, it's just so close. It's Mm -hmm. Some of the closest relationships I have are part of CMA. Amazing. That's so great to hear. Um, So I'm also curious about what you'd be willing to share about your spiritual development in terms of how your connection and involvement with CMA has fostered that for you. Ooh, I'm very happy to talk about that. Well, I'm so happy you're happy. <laughs> so Good. I, um, and I'm, this is something that I'm very open about. Um, obviously, it was mentioned in my bio. Uh, I identify as someone in recovery. And my experience was growing up and having a deep relationship with God and having a really rich spiritual life. And then... Um, not having that for a number of years. Mm-hmm. And uh, once I entered recovery, I had the opportunity to find that again and define mm-hmm. it and claim it for myself. And so I will forever be grateful for uh, the recovery communities I'm a part of for really guiding me back to that relationship with God and for teaching me uh, that there's... Um, a spirituality and a spiritual life exists so far beyond the confines of any particular institution or theology. Mm, yeah. And, but that said, uh, what, so like I said, I, I, you know, uh, first heard about CMA in 2014, but it took me a few years. I got to a place where I, um, I wouldn't say I felt like I plateaued in my spiritual growth in recovery, but I was looking for something more and different. And what I was looking for in particular is I, I love Jesus and I want to be with other people who love Jesus too, and want to talk about him and talk about Christianity. And I find, um, I live in New York city. I'm 
on the liberal end of things. I'm a lesbian. Like my general community. Oh, no. Oh, scary. (laughs) (laughs) I will say the vast majority of people around me have probably a pretty healthy skepticism of Christianity. Yeah. Which I totally get. I understand 110%. Um, But I wanted to find a place where other people uh, could see that institutions aren't perfect, um, could see that Christianity has been used to hurt people, but also see a lot of beauty in it and want to hold those two things together and have a dialogue about what it means to be Christian today. And I find that in CMA. um, And that has so enriched my spiritual growth. I'm also curious about what you sense is, has been or continues to be of most value to you about the experience you're having with CMA. Oh, wow. Um, I know hard to pick, right? It's really hard to pick, you know? Okay. So I'll share this story. Um, the pastor of my church growing up was this, it was like, he was like Mr. Rogers come to life. Extremely, mm. extremely uh, nice, kind guy um, who seemed just perfect. Like always had faith. All, you know, like, like that's, that's what being a Christian is, or that's what being spiritual means. Almost unattainable. And I think I grew up with this idea that... Um, people who choose a religious vocation, if it's clergy, if they're monastics, are more evolved or better than me, that they have more faith, they're closer to God, they understand more than I do. Um, And that is completely has to do with my own orientation to how I see myself in the world, right? Mm -hmm, Nothing mm -hmm. really to do with them. Um, What I have learned in being part of CMA, you know, having conversations alongside uh, chaplains and clergy um, is that we're all just people. We're all seekers. And, you know, some of us might have education in certain areas, have gone to seminary, be called to certain vocations. Um, but there's not a hierarchy of, well, you know more, you have more faith. Um, it's a very flat organization in that sense. Like I truly see CMA as a circle where we all sit and kind of companion each other. And I don't think I realized how much I needed to have that experience to dismantle this idea that because I'm not clergy, I will never have a great relationship or close relationship with God. Like I, I needed to be part of a group with people who do have that background and who said, no, we're just all Christians and we all struggle sometimes too. You know, I think that's remarkable because what I hear in what you're saying is that the, the, I'll describe it as the intimacy that you experience Mm -hmm. in the CMA community has allowed everyone to show up as they are, regardless of title, education, uh, background. Yeah. And it sounds like there's something really transformational in all being humans together on this spiritual journey that has 
almost helped recalibrate your sense of, you know, what's possible for you mm -hmm. as, you know, in, in, in your own spiritual life. And, and I would add to that, there are so few spaces in the world where we're not in some sort of hierarchy. If it's a yeah. job, if it's a religious institution, um, a society, you know, there's, there's always some sort of order of who's the person with authority. Um, and that, that just doesn't really exist in CMA. It's a community in the truest sense. And um, it is so wonderful to have that place to go to after being out in the world where there is, you know, there are those structures. Yeah. Yeah. What a relief. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I'm also curious about um, anything that you've encountered that's been really unexpected in a delightful way or surprising um, as you have been on your journey with CMA. You know, I was not expecting to laugh as much as I do. Um, <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and wow. There is so much goofiness among us as a group. Um, I think we easily spend a third of our time together. It feels like just laughing and mm, um, sweet, but that, that doesn't mean that we don't um, grapple with things or disagree or have long sure. conversations on everything from how do we live um, the covenant in the world to how do we want to show up as a community um, to each other. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a real levity and it's, it's just awesome. It's fun to laugh. Um, I, on our retreat, we get together once a year, I have an in-person retreat. Uh, there was some pretty cool karaoke and. <laughs> <laughs> Is that an oxymoron? <laughs> no, it was awesome. <clears throat> karaoke in a little cabin upstate. And uh, I can't tell you how much I wanted to come back and say, I did karaoke in the woods with some nuns and a couple priests. It was awesome. Um, but, <laughs> right. but I didn't. I just sort of kept it to myself. But it was Yeah, gloating. <laughs> gloating is so unattractive right? <laughs> it, it really isn't that great um, but yeah i have been really surprised by how much we we laugh and the fun we have even though we come together out of um for a very serious reason ultimately of, of course so i'm gonna make a little leap here and suppose that something may be true and i welcome you to reflect mm. on this so i am going to suppose that <clears throat> laughter can often be the byproduct of a sense of freedom. And mm. my sense of the sense of freedom that you might feel at CMA, and I'm perhaps wildly projecting here, is because, for example, as you said, there is no hierarchy. Yeah. So it's not like, oh, I have to watch what I say or the principal's going to smack me, right? Yes. Or superior, whatever. <laughs> but... <laughs> And the other, which I, I, you know, is another mad projection based on my own upbringing, is there's no requirement, is yeah. what I'm hearing you say, to believe that something is true in order to belong. Yes. Yeah. So the absence of hierarchy and the absence of a requirement around dogma, I could say for myself, 
could be very freeing. Now, I'm just overlaying that on what you've said. I don't even know if that's what you're experiencing. So I could be, you know, full of cabbage. But <laughs> <laughs> cabbage. <clears throat> no, it is. It is very freeing. Um, there's something about showing up just as you are over yeah. and over and being seen and loved. Um, mm. That feels really, really good. And, um, you know, sometimes there are places, other places in my life where I want to show up and be seen and loved and it doesn't happen if it's with yeah. friends yeah. or with uh, like family of origin and uh, to be in a community that's so intentional about doing that for each other. I'll give an example. Um, there, there was a miscommunication I don't know, a few months ago about the timing of a call uh, with the Covenant group. And I came on, was very flustered. I had had a day, like a capital mm-hmm. D day. Mm-hmm. And I was not able to be present, could not, could not be in the conversation. And I just said, I'm so sorry. I'm not really able to uh, join in tonight's conversation, but love you all. Talk later and signed off. And then immediately felt embarrassed. Maybe I shouldn't have done that. And talked about it the next week with some other companions. And they all said, well, I'm glad you did what you had to do to take care of yourself. Hmm. And someone else said, what I care about is your well-being. And I would love to see you on the call, but I care more about you being okay. And if you being okay is taking the time to not be part of the group, then I'll support that. And that's that gives me an example of how to show up and extend that kind of grace to other people too. Yeah, that's beautiful. Thank you for that example. Yeah. So our, the last thing to explore is how your involvement with CMA, how you feel Mm. that affects how you show up in the world beyond CMA. Mm. I, so the covenant, um, so the covenant, as I mentioned, I understand it and this might not be the right phrasing. Um, I kind of see it as like a mission statement or a roadmap for how mm-hmm. we express um, our vision as a community in our daily behaviors. And okay. the covenant is structured on these three loves. Um, and each of them goes into different detail about um, how we express, you know, love of God, um, love of others. And there's sort of um, different points in there that come to mind, say, if I'm in the grocery store, there's a line in the covenant that's something like, um, we commit to being good stewards of um, our resources. And it's really talking about environmental resources. And I think it says, uh, being mindful that often the most ethical or sustainable choice is not always the most um, economical. And it, I have never been so aware, for example, of the plastic I produce as a person um, since really sitting with um, the particular line in the covenant that talks about stewardship of just resources, committing yeah. to having enough. 
Um, and I can think on one hand, you know, well, maybe that's just what it means to be engaged and aware and read the news. But I, when I'm driven by, this is how I express my love of God. Like it, it gets expressed through my, my shopping choices and what I do with trash and how I deal with it. It takes on a whole different meaning. Um, so that's one way I feel the companions has informed how I go through the world. You know, as I think about my footprint, um, as I think about engaging with other people, I think there's a line that talks about extending hospitality to everyone we meet. That's really hard. I think, I think that's hard for everybody. It's hard when you live in New York City and you're on the subway. Mm -hmm. um, it's hard. It's just hard. It's hard when you're married. <laughs> it's hard. Right. Right. Um, but being challenged by that and then knowing there's a place where I can go back and share my challenges around that with others. Um, I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So it, it sounds to me that the commitment you're making as part of this community has done a couple things and just check me to see if I'm following. Mm -hmm. One is that it's, it, it, um, it has in, it, in a way seeped into your new things have seeped into your awareness, mm -hmm. um, as you go about your day, uh, around God and others and the environment. And that awareness is actually prompting you to consider or reconsider your actions, whether those actions are choices about what you yeah. buy or don't buy Definitely. or how you interact with other people. So it, it becomes a very, it becomes a choice about action. Mm. It sounds like, yeah, it, which is right. Yeah, it, right. that's, that's exactly <clears throat> right. Um, it's once I have, um, the covenant in my head and conversations with uh, other people in the community, um, I carry it with me and it really yeah. informs everything, how I read the news, um, you know, how I, how I interact with people who challenge me or people who I don't always like, um, right. at even, you know, yeah. Yeah. Tremendous. So before we close, is there anything else you'd like to share? So I kind of um, consider myself to sit outside of a formal institutional church. Like I, right. I don't have a consistent church home. Um, I haven't found one that feels totally right. The Companions really fills that for me. Um, I consider mm. CMA to be my, my spiritual home right now. Um, and I will say for people who are looking for community, maybe, maybe they live in a rural area or they live somewhere where there aren't, um, you know, churches or other communities that, that align with what they're looking for. It just has completely opened my mind knowing that I found a spiritual community and it really exists online. Yeah. So and I think, I have to think that this is going to be something new within monastic communities um, that as they want to 
you know, attract new associates, um, engage folks in a different way, they're going to be creative using the technology we have. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would strongly encourage anyone who's looking for that spiritual home or who misses being in a community to think a little differently about where you might find that community. It might not be in your neighborhood and that's okay because they're still out there and you can get plugged in very easily. Beautiful. Excellent. Right. I mean, this is a, this is kind of a revolutionary option. It sounds like. It's so cool. And, you know, I was in college before um, online learning has become a bigger thing. I know it is now. Um, And I will say when I was in grad school, I took one course online and I really struggled because I'm used to being in a classroom and taking notes in a notebook. That, that was just my entire student experience. And so I think I brought a little bit of that skepticism when I mm. first, I was like, oh, Zoom, how, how is this going to feel, <laughs> you know, intimate? And I, I'm happy to say that I have been really surprised by the experience I've had. Um, and it makes me hopeful that as CMA continues to grow, evolve, more people come in, um, it'll only get richer because with the kind of virtual connection we have, it, it can be as big as we want it to be. You know, we're not right. bound by how many people can fit in a room. Um, and that's really exciting. Right. Or having to pay upkeep on a building, you know, the, yeah, <laughs> yeah. so that you, you can all meet. Yeah. Wonderful. Exactly. Well, Lauren, I am so grateful we've had this conversation. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to share with us mm-hmm. about your experience with the Companions of Mary the Apostle. Well, and, and thank you, Paul, for your service and for sitting on the board. I know that work is really important for just uh, kind of the infrastructure of the organization. And I'm very, very grateful to you for that. Well, thank you. So folks who are listening, this has been the Voices of the Companions, a podcast project of the Companions of Mary the Apostle. And we've been talking with Lauren Hare. Lauren has graciously offered that you can reach her at her email address, which is lauren.hare, that's H-A-R-E, lauren.hare at gmail.com. Again, that's lauren.hare at gmail.com. This is Paul Kimmerling for the voices of the companions. Thanks so much for listening.